you got your Bibles, this is from the New King James. Matthew chapter 20. I want to read verses 20 through 28. So if you got your Bibles, please go with me to Matthew chapter 20. And I want to start reading with verse 20. Here we go. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. Coming coming to Christ. And he said to her, What do you wish? And I want you to listen to what she asked Jesus. Uh, Had the gall to ask Jesus this question. Um, And I don't believe that James and John were bad people. I believe that they were just uh, ignorant, if you want to, at this point. You got to realize this is early on in their ministry. This is they haven't, you know, they haven't experienced Christ, uh, death and resurrection yet. They haven't experienced uh, Acts chapter two, the upper room experience. So they haven't experienced all these things that's fixing to come. So they're still new in the faith. They've only been following Jesus. This is probably probably getting close to the end of his ministry here but it's in his third year he's been teaching them all this time but you guys still they're still young in this so i want you i want you to to look at what she asked she said to him grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom but jesus answered and said you do not know what you ask are you able to drink the cup that i'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So they make that bold statement. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. So now the other ten are mad at the other two at these two disciples. They're like, you gotta be kidding me. Who do they think they are? You ever talk under your breath about people? Come on now. Hey, I'm you know what I'm saying? We do this. Who do they think they are, man? Are they I can just see it happening. All the ten they might even talk amongst themselves. Well, did you hear what those guys just said? You they think they're better than we are. You know? We ought to go slap them, you know? Anyway. Uh, but Jesus called them to himself and said you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them verse 26 yet it shall not be so among you but whoever desires to become great among you let him be your servant verse 27 and whoever desires to be first among you let him be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, when we look at this passage, we see James and John's mother coming to Jesus and asking this simple question. Hey, can my son sit one on your right and one on the left? And we think, well, what's wrong? She's just looking out for her boys. Maybe so, but see, the thing is, they were thinking, man, I want to be high. I want to be next to Jesus. This is their thought. And I don't think that there was anything... Uh, evil about what they were doing they were just trying to get ahead in line has any of us ever tried to get ahead in line yeah 
sometimes you know we think about ourselves and where we got to get in our in our place in line we want to be the first if you've ever gone to a uh uh, uh, an amusement park or a, and you want to get to the ride first you know I, it's so funny uh, when you go to Disney we went to Disney a few years ago and uh, uh, we when you stay on the resort you actually get to go to the parks sometimes 30 minutes before they open and I remember it was I think it was uh, Animal Kingdom or no it was Epcot we got to go to Epcot 30 minutes early that week and so uh, we get there a little before 9 is when they actually open the gates and so we get there a little before 9 you get to go in at 8.30 well there's a massive amount of people behind this rope and you just walk right up They you show them your pass they open the thing let you in and all these people are looking at you like who are they you know uh, the same thing goes if you've ever had season pass if you've ever been a season pass holder at Silver Dollar City uh, you get to walk all the way into the park and roam around the park you know 30 minutes to an hour before anybody else does at certain times and it's it's funny because people are sitting there and they're just watching you go on in like you know what you know or if you've ever gotten a fast pass at an amusement park where you come back at a different time and you get to walk right up to the front of the line it's so amazing everybody's looking at you thinking and they're going man who are these people you just, you feel privileged you know look at me i got my fast pass i'm going up here but anyway I think that's what John and James, they just wanted to get at the front of the line. I don't think they were bad guys. I, don't, I mean, we see all the great work that they had done. I mean, James was the first martyr that we know, well, one of, one of the first disciples, he was the first disciple to be killed. Stephen was the first martyr. But he was one of the first, he was the first disciple to be killed for his faith. So they weren't bad guys. But they just wanted to get their place in line. But Jesus comes back with a great, he says look if you want to be great in my kingdom you've got to learn to humble yourselves you have to be a servant you have to sit there and serve those who don't have anything and I believe that we as Christians followers of Christ that we here's number one we must learn to humble ourselves in order to be great. I want to say that again. We must learn to humble ourselves in order to be great. I want greatness. I'm, that's not pride. That's not me saying a prideful statement. I want to be the best that I possibly can be for Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for me after all, right? So I need to be the best that I can be. I need to give my all. Not just wholeheartedly, not just half of myself. I need to give everything I got to make sure that I do everything that I can to see the kingdom of God grow. Amen? That means if... last What I've been doing the past several years is I've been trying to read the Bible through in a year. Last Out of the past three years that I've been doing this, last year was the first time I didn't make it. I, uh, you know, I had some things. I'd skip some times and trying to catch up. And, you know, you, I mean, if you've ever tried to read the Bible through in a year, it's, it's not an easy task. It can be done, and I know people can do it multiple times in a year. Some people are faster readers than I am. But it, it's, it's something, especially when you get in some of those books, you get bogged down, and it's like, oh, I just want to get through Leviticus and Numbers, you know. It's just, ah. But uh, last year, I, I failed. 
And, and so that's one thing that if I want to be my best, I think being my best is meeting that accomplishment. You say, well, don't be hard on yourself. I'm not being hard on myself. That's a goal that I want to set. Why do I do that? Why do I want to do it? Because I want to honor God. I can at least read his love letter to me. Here he is. He, he printed it out in black and red for us to read and understand and know and it's, it's knowledge that we want to have so that's one of the goals and what we have to do is we have to get to a point that we humble ourselves and put past everything else that we could think of and say God I'm going to do whatever it takes to serve you with my whole heart 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6 says therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time Matthew 23 12 says and whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted God has great plans in store for all of us and when our time comes he will promote us but until that time comes we must learn to be humble God has a promotion for each and every one of us but in order to receive our promotion we have to humble ourselves and we have to learn to submit to him when we submit ourselves we humble ourselves we have to come in submission of God God has great plans there are opportunities for greatness waiting for us God has his and I want you to listen to this very carefully his perfect timing his timing isn't always our timing okay everybody understand that his timing isn't always our timing just because we think it needs to happen now doesn't mean it's going to happen now because it's not necessarily his timing he has the perfect timing for us don't get ahead of him number two put others needs ahead of our own you say well isn't that part of humbling yourself yeah i, I believe it could be part but that's one thing that we need to understand is we have to put others needs ahead of us in order to be great someday we must learn to put others needs ahead of us ahead of our own Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself Romans chapter 12 verse 10 and, and this is from the uh, English standard version it says love one another with brotherly affection and I love this part outdo one another in showing honor it doesn't say outdo one another in the tasks that you're doing. It says outdo one another in showing honor. In other words, doing great for somebody else. Try to out, and I'm not saying make this something that it becomes that you're so focused on outdoing other people that you forget about the reason that you're doing it. The reason that we do everything is for Jesus Christ. It's to bring him honor and to bring him glory. And that's for nothing else. But we need, to out, we need to make sure that we are doing for other, putting other people's needs ahead of us. See, and that's one thing that James and, and John wasn't doing. They were thinking of themselves. They were putting themselves, hey, God, hey, hey Jesus, I, you know, I'm going to go the great lengths for you, God. And we know that they did. I mean, we see what John did. Look at how many books he wrote in the New Testament. I mean, it's just amazing who John was. And then James, the life that he gave up his life for Christ. So it's not that they were bad people, but here at this moment, at this point, at this moment in time, they were putting their needs 
or their wants, their desires ahead of all the other disciples. They were saying, hey, look at us. Think of us. We're going to be the greatest. We're the dynamic duo. Woo! You know? And that's what they were thinking at that moment in time. They were putting their needs ahead. We need to make sure that we stay humble. We need to make sure that we put others' needs ahead of us. When you're doing something in the church, what are your reasons for doing it? Are your reasons so you can say you have a position in the church? Are your reasons so that you can feel important? Man, I feel so good. You know, look what I do. Huh? Are your reasons so that you can feel good about yourself? If so, if these are your reasons, if these are your motives, then they're wrong. They're wrong. Everything that we do should be done to give glory to God. Amen? And if you're not bringing glory to God with what you're doing, then you need to quit. Resign your position and get a heart check up. Right? If the heart's broke, what we got to do? We got to fix it. And if we are doing things for the wrong reason, then we got to get fixed. We got to get a heart check up. When we do something for others by thinking of them ahead of ourselves, then we are doing it for the glory of God. Amen? We're doing it for the glory of God. For no other reason, we're doing it for God. And that's the whole reason why we should do anything. We should give our all. Love gave all. We should give our all. Everything that we've got wholeheartedly, 100% for love, for Jesus. Number three, give, give selflessly. Not selfishly, selflessly. Remember what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, if at all possible, take this cup from me. But better yet, not my will, but yours. Do you think, do you truly think that Jesus' will was to die on a cross? Do you think that he honestly said, I want to die on a cross? No. I don't believe that. He was human. We see that in the garden where he's saying, look, Lord, if it's all possible, take this cup from me. But yet he didn't submit to his will. He submitted to his Father's will. And he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He gave of himself selflessly. He wasn't selfish at all. He said, I'm laying down my life for your people. I'm giving up my life for, the, for our people. I can honestly say that there has been times in ministry that I didn't want to do something. Cleaning toilets is one I don't like doing. I got enough at home to clean. I don't want to clean anymore. There's a lot of toilets around here. But I knew that God wanted me to do it, and so I did it anyway. Right? I mean, there's things we don't want to do. I, I, you know, I did my tour of duty as a youth minister. It's not necessarily the top of my priority list that I want to always be a youth minister. But right now, there's a need in our church for somebody to take care of our young people on Wednesday nights. And so I do it. I do it. Because I know that they need trained, that they need taught, they need, you know. And so I've got great helpers that come in and help me so that we can keep them corralled and we can teach them and, 
and show them the love and all that good stuff. But we do it not because we necessarily want to, but we know that it needs to be done. We have to give of ourselves. We don't need to be selfish. Number four, be willing to make sacrifices. You know, one of the greatest stories of a sacrifice that I can think of, and I know there's a bunch in the Bible, but one that I think of that I just, I just read, I think it was this morning, Solomon. After he had uh, built the temple, you know, um, David had the vision of building a temple, and God told David, he said, look, I've, I've never been kept in any place and David, and David tells God, hey, we want to make this great, humongous temple for you. We just believe that your presence is great, and then we need a place that people can come. We know you're everywhere. You're, you know, you're magnificent. This is a, and God says, sounds great. Let's build this temple. And God tells David, and, I, and I'm just trying to shorten it for you. <laughs> and God tells David, he says, you won't, you won't be able to build this temple you've you've fought too many battles you've had too much blood shed from your hands you won't be able to build this temple but your son will so david passes the baton to solomon and solomon continues the vision that his father had of building this temple he continues it and builds this elaborate temple and you can read about it in the chronicles man it's just amazing this temple just enormous structure just just awesome, beautiful gold everywhere, you know, the finest precious metals and, and uh, uh, gems and all. It's just, just a magnificent place that they built for the presence of God. And so after Solomon builds this temple, he goes and he makes a sacrifice. And it's one of the greatest sacrifices to ever I mean, I mean, you just, I mean, I think it was like, and I, don't quote me on this, I had to, I'd have to look it up. It was like 10,000 of one type of animal and another 4,000 of another. I mean, that he is making, I mean, you got to realize, I mean, their livestock, it wasn't just like, you know, it wasn't cheap. I mean, anybody looked at the, looked at the price of beef today? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine going sacrificing a whole cow today? I mean, go buy a hamburger in, a, in the grocery store today. It's expensive. So I, you know, and, I, and I'm sure that it doesn't compare to, it's a whole totally different time, but for them, I mean, that was a lot. Sacrificing any livestock was, and here he is sacrificing, I mean, thousands more than what was asked of him. Why? Because he wanted to, he wanted to give an extravagant offer. He wanted to make a big sacrifice. Here it is, God gave him this opportunity to build this temple and he wanted to sacrifice and show his love for God. Anyway, go read about it. It's just an amazing sacrifice. But we as Christians, we have to be willing to make sacrifices. Amen? Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. Jesus gave extravagantly. He gave his life. He gave all on a cross. He poured out his life, poured out his soul up there on the cross, naked for everyone to see, full of humility. Everybody's looking upon him, and yet he still said, God, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. 
He made an ultimate sacrifice. You know, there may be an event outside the church that is on the same day as a church event that you have planned, and you'll have to make the sacrifice if you're doing it unto God and not for self-gratification. See, whenever we allow God to use us in a mighty way, we are saying, God, the plan that you have for me is more important than the plans that I have for myself. There may be times that we want to go to that concert, or there may be times that we want to go see family, or there may be times that we want to do something, but yet it comes in conflict with the things and the desires that God has for us. I think of in ministry the sacrifices that Kelly and I have to make. There'll be times that we'll have a conversation and we'll have something come up and she'll say, well, she said, I'll say, well, you don't, I said, you don't have to go. I can take care of it. She says, no, it's, she says, I need to go. It's a sacrifice that we make. There's sometimes that we may be too tired, huh? Man, I, I just, I, I just don't want to go today. I'm just, I'm too tired. But yet, you already made the commitment. You said, God, I know this is what I need to do. God, this is, this is the desire that you gave me to do. You placed it upon my heart. This is my ministry that I'm supposed to go do and go forth and do. And you say, you know what? I'm going to make a sacrifice. Every time that I think I'm too tired, or every time that I think that I just can't do it, or that I just can't make time for it, or I just can't uh, function without, you know, by doing it right, I think of what Jesus did on a cross for me and the sacrifice that he made. And he said, oh, but that ain't fair. That's Christ. Why ain't it fair? If Jesus Christ can make the sacrifice and go to the cross and give up his life for me, then why can't I give up five minutes of my time? Why can't I give up an outing or an event that I want to go to for something that he's called me to do? It's about making a sacrifice. You know, we've come to churches and we say, we bring the sacrifice of praise. But do we really? Do we really make those sacrifices on a day-to-day basis? Do we really say, Lord, I'm going to give up everything that I desire and I want to make sure that I put your desires first? You know what? I believe that if we give God everything and put God's desires and God's wills first in our life, then I believe that God's going to open up doors and avenues for us to do the fun things that we want to do. I believe it. It may not come on this day. It may be six months later that you get another opportunity and you may get to go for free. You didn't have to pay for it this time. I don't know. But we have to learn to make sacrifices for the things that God wants us to do. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16 says, But do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased God is pleased when you make a sacrifice for him this is an example of putting God first you want to put God first in your life then make a sacrifice make a sacrifice number five don't do it grudgingly don't do it grudgingly when you do the work of the Lord what is your attitude like is your attitude terrible and you wish you weren't there or do you come in with a positive attitude ready to see God 
doing amazing work? What's your attitude like? Don't do it grudgingly. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 is a, a passage, a, a, mess, a, a scripture that we all have heard. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now I know that we use this scripture when we talk about giving money. But the word uh, given here in this text is, and, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, this is the Greek word, uh, didomi, which means give. Okay, break it down, okay? It is used in a, a very wide application. There's many words that word give means. One of the applications is minister. It doesn't just mean giving of money. It means giving of your time, ministering. So I want you to think about this. So Paul is writing the church in Corinth that when they minister, don't do it grudgingly or of necessity, but do it cheerfully. Sometimes we do the things that God has called us to do with the I don't want to attitude. Huh? Have we ever walked in and said, man, I don't want to be here today. Man, I don't want to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to confess to you. I have. There's times that we'll have events here or something that I've planned that I have to be here for, and I'll tell Kelly, you can ask her, man, I don't want to go. Well, you planned it, right? We have that come. You planned it. I know. So you know what I have to do? I have to put my big boy pants on, come in with a smile, and say, okay, God, let's do it. And you know what? Some of the times that I've not wanted to come is when we've had some of the best results and the best events because God showed up and said, I'm going to do it in spite of you. Don't do it grudgingly. Did you ever think that maybe Jesus didn't want to die on the cross? I'm just saying. He didn't do it grudgingly. Jesus submitted. He said, here I am. I'm the sacrifice that needs to be made. You never know that when you come and fulfill the ministry that God has called you to do, how it will affect someone. You showing up might actually be the reason that someone gets saved. And if you didn't show up and they didn't get saved, then their blood is on your hands. That's what Ezekiel tells us. Ezekiel tells us that if you did not sound the alarm, if you did not tell people about Jesus that the enemy was coming and they died on your watch their blood is on your hands we should do our ministry not grudgingly but cheerful do it with a smile whether you want to or not come in and say you know what I don't feel good today but man I'm doing it to honor Jesus I'm doing it because he died on a cross he sacrificed his life for me and I'm going to do it with all my heart the best of my ability number six and I'm this is this is the final in everything give glory to God in everything give glory to God I remember when I was in junior high me and my friends there's about 
Four of us, we thought we were cool. You remember in junior high, you thought you were cool? Well, we thought we were cool. We, we, uh, rap was pretty cool back then, you know. And um, yes, I have to admit, we had a rap group. And we thought we were the coolest kid. I mean, we, we thought we were cool. We got our picture made and everything. Yeah, it, I know. I know. So anyway, I thought I was, I, we thought we were cool. So we had this saying, me and uh, some of our friends, and we'd walk, and nobody knew really what it meant except for us. And we'd say, yo, G to the third. And it meant simply, give God glory. Now, I know that's corny and it was stupid. And we'd see each other, hey, G to the third, yo, you know. And so we thought we were cool, and um, we said that. And as simple as that was, you know, there was a lot of truth in that little phrase. Give God glory. Everything that we do is to bring glory to God. And everything that we do, we are to give God glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Whenever we see something great happen because of the ministry that we are involved in, we're to bring glory to God. We don't receive the glory, but God does. Amen? Bring, give glory to God. G to the third, give God glory. I know it's something simple, but yet that's something that we need to make our a point to do every single time. When something great happens, we give God glory. Um, I remember when I was in college and, uh, and I took a, a altar working class and, and uh, one of the things that was taught was that when we pray for people and they get saved to, to understand that it's not us, but it's God speaking through us. And one of the things that, you know, and we know, we, we know what the Bible says, that when we do something great for God, that there's crowns, there's jewels waiting for us in heaven. And one of the things that we were taught, he said, either sometime, he said, sometime after that service, when something great happens, he says, go to your prayer closet, find a place, and kneel and do a crown toss. And that just simply means that you take off your crown and you lay it at the feet of Jesus. And you say, God, I don't want any of this glory. I don't want anything of myself, but I'm giving it back to you. I'm giving you the glory. God, you receive all the glory. God, you receive all the praise. And we take that crown and we lay it at the feet of Jesus. When you go do ministry at the food pantry and we see families that we've been able to touch and see great things happen, go to your prayer closet and do a, a crown toss. When you're working in the nursery or you're working in kids ministry or youth ministry, Find a place if something great happens or you've ministered to those children or, or youth or the, or the tots. and Go find a place, take that crown off and, and lay it at the feet of Jesus. If you're on the music team and, and there was some way that you impacted somebody's life uh, through playing of an instrument or singing a song, go find a prayer closet. Take 
the crown off and lay it at the feet of Jesus. If, if you're greeting people as they come in the door and a smile that you had on your face impacted their life for whatever reason, they were having a bad day before they came to that door, but you smiled and said hello to them and introduced yourself to them, go to a prayer closet, take off your crown and lay it at the feet of Jesus. No matter what you've done, do it unto him and give him the glory. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the honor. He deserves all the praise. Give him the glory. Jesus deserves the glory. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He gave it all at the cross. And because he died for us, we can return the glory back to him. We can give the glory to him. Amen? Amen.